Good morning. You know, as I stand here this morning and attempt to speak something about the worthy name of Jesus, I'm very conscious that he is worthy of more. And I want to thank Ginny for those, that wonderful song. Seems like it's been a long time since Kathleen and I have been with you, and I don't exaggerate when I say that uh, we have really missed you. And uh, just trust that our time together this morning and next Sunday will be specially blessed by him. I've given the, um, this morning's message the title, The Mission of Jesus. The Mission of Jesus. Uh, quite a number of years ago, I and another fellow went back to school to try to understand how, among other things, to write a mission statement. As you may be aware, many Christian organizations have a written mission statement that describes the purpose or reason for the existence of the organization. So, Focus on the Family has a written mission statement. The Navigators have one. World Vision has one. Campus Crusade, InterVarsity, and many other churches throughout the United States. We recently wrote a mission or purpose statement for the church that Kathy and I call home, and it's this, to love God and to love people. To love God, we worship Him. To love God, we serve Him. To love God, we want to obey Him, and so on. And to love people. People was a great reason why Jesus came to this world. And uh, so we trust this statement tells people the reason for our existence. At this school, it was stressed over and over again that a good mission statement was the single most important strategy of an organization. The statement should be clear. It should be concise. It should be easily understood it should have broad appeal. Why does the organization exist? What does it do? And what is its basic philosophy? And this morning I would like for us to think of the mission of Jesus. Why did Jesus come? What was his purpose in coming to earth? Also another question that I would like to address is, is there in the New Testament any clear concise, easily understood statement that sets forth the mission of Jesus. A statement that responds to the question, why did he come? And if you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 16? John chapter 16 and verse 28. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Reading, I, Jesus says, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. And this is how the disciples responded. They said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. This verse, verse 28, 
has been called by the theologian Elbrick Bengel the greatest recapitulation of Jesus' career among men. And H.W. Meyer said, it is a simple and grand summary of his entire life. Jesus, in this verse, during the last few hours he spent with his disciples before he went to the cross, gave us four stages to remember his vision, his mission. And I'd like for you to look at this verse. Stage number one, he came from the Father. This gives us some idea of the origins of Jesus. He came from the Father. It says something of his relationship. It says something about his eternity. And it tells us he is God. Stage number two. He entered into the world. He entered into a world of people. He entered into a needy world. Extremely needy world. He entered into the world at Bethlehem. This verse very simply reminds us of the Incarnation. This relates to the why He came. And we're going to try to answer the question, why did He enter the world? Stage number three. It says He would leave the world. This relates to the fact that mission accomplished. Please get this. Just before Jesus left the world, He gave to His followers a commission and mission that would be just like His. As the Father has sent me, so send I you and me. And lastly, there is stage four. He would return back to the Father. In this stage, we of course ask, what is Jesus doing today? Is He in heaven, sitting on a throne, with His arms folded, nodding His head as He looks at us, wondering about us and watches us go through whatever we're doing. Each of the four stages are defined, explained, and illuminated throughout the Gospels and merit a great deal of tension on our part. This morning, I just want to look at one of those stages in a little greater depth. He entered the world. His mission his work was to be centered on this little tiny planet, planet Earth. What does Jesus say about his mission? Why did he enter the world? Now, I would like to respond to this question by using three statements that Jesus gave us during the course of his ministry here on Earth. Three statements. Statement number one in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19 and verse 10, Jesus said this, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I call this Jesus' great search and rescue mission. This is why He entered the world. Statement number two, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus says, have come that they might have life 
and have it to the full. Jesus' mission is to fill broken lives to bring and to bring them to that fulfillment, life to the full. That's why he entered the world. And statement number three in John chapter 17 and verse 25, Jesus prays to the Father this prayer. He says, I have made you, the Father, known to them and will continue to make you known in order that, please get this, that the love you, the Father, have for me may be in them and I might be, and I myself may be in them. This is one of the most intimate passages that I know of in the Bible. Jesus is praying to his Father and asks that the love he has for the Lord Jesus may be in us. Can you imagine that? That the love the Father has for the Lord Jesus might be in us, in me, in you. Boy, that really gets me excited to think about that. Now, if the same love of God is in me and is in you, it means also that we will love one another. This is why Jesus came into the world. And I'd like to think a little bit more now about these three statements. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you read newspapers or listen to the news, it seems that the, there's been a lot said with regard to search and rescue missions. And in recent years, we have had the search for Dana Curry and Heather Mercer captured by the Taliban in Afghanistan. And the prayers of God's people went up all over the world. And by His great mercy, these two young ladies were rescued. And we all praised God. Then there was the search for the Barams and Mrs. Yap in the Philippines, who had been captured by the Abu Sayyaf terrorists in the Philippines. Again, the prayers of the Lord's people went up all over the world. And, we all, and as we all know, Gracia Barham was rescued and her husband and Mrs. Yap were killed. When I was about 10 years old, living in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan, three friends of mine and I went out into the woods to find a Christmas tree. We walked for mile after mile and we finally found the perfect tree. We cut it down and started to walk back in the direction we thought was home. It started to snow. And then a wind came up and started to blow the snow in our faces. The temperature dropped precipitously. And now we didn't know for sure which direction would bring us home. We were lost. And we tried huddling around a tree whose branches came down near the ground. What did we, we had to keep moving because it was so cold. And we were getting scared. And here were four 
ten-year-old boys lost in the woods. And we were feeling a bit desperate. And we didn't know what to do. And back home, four sets of parents began to search for us. And to make a long story short, they found us early the next morning. You know, it's so miserable to be lost, but oh, so wonderful to be found. So great to be found. When Jesus entered our world, Luke 19 suggests to us that he saw the lostness of people. And the four Gospels tell us of people from all walks of life that were lost and were found by Jesus. There were fishermen and tax collectors and soldiers and revolutionaries. There were religious people. There were heathen people. There were adulterers. There were thieves. There were extortioners. There were sick people. There were poor people, rich people. And then there were a whole lot of ordinary vanilla people. All of these were found by Jesus and they followed him. But let me tell you about one of them. This person was a decidedly inferior position. She was in an inferior position. She was a very lonely person. Something like the Dalits or the untouchables in India. This person was part of a group of people that were despised. They called them Samaritans. They were despised by the Jews so much that they avoided travel through their country. And every year in a Jewish synagogue, they were condemned to the hottest hell. This person was a woman who lived in a man's world. And even Jesus' disciples were surprised that here he was talking to this kind of a woman. You know, we don't even know her name. This woman had a history of broken relationships. She had five husbands and she was living with a man to whom she was not married. This made her socially unacceptable even among her own people. The woman was rejected by other women in her town. We know this because she came to get water from the well at high noon. And respectable people just don't do that. Only an outcast would come to the well at high noon. How would you describe this lady? One would say that she was experiencing a terrible lostness. She was lost in so many ways. And in a very wonderful way, the writer of John's Gospel tells us that Jesus needed to go through the territory of the Samaritans. Why? Because of his mission to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know this morning... I can think of Jesus coming to San Ramon, walking through the doors and looking all about us. Why? To fulfill his mission of seeking and to save 
those who are lost. And if this morning there are some here that uh, don't feel connected to anything or anybody who are experiencing a lostness, and you know it. Well, Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. Is there a sequel to this story about the woman? Yes, there is. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans of the town believed in Jesus because, purpose, because of the word of this woman. Jesus' search and rescue woman, in addition to the woman, took him to a religious leader. In John chapter 3, the person we call the woman at the well that we just talked about in chapter 4. The man who had been sick for 38 years in chapter 5. 5,000 hungry people in chapter 6. The woman caught in adultery in chapter 8. The young man born blind in chapter 9, etc., etc., etc. It's for people like these that Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's look at statement number 2, John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only, only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And the mission of Jesus is to reverse or change the position of people. The thief diminishes the people because he takes away. And we are far less when we interact with the thief. He makes us less than what we are or what we can be. To be killed and destroyed is to suffer the ultimate loss. And Jesus came to change that. Praise God for the mission of Jesus. Instead of taking away, Jesus brings life. Instead of diminishing life, Jesus enriches life. With an overflowing measure, a surplus. The Christian life is not intended to be a mere existence. Rather, it is intended to be joyous and full. Let me tell you about some people in the Bible who discovered the plus. The great big plus that Jesus brings. You all know the story. It was Jesus' first miracle. And the setting was a wedding. The beginning of a new life for two, for two people. But horror of horrors, the punch bowl was empty. Empty of wine. But remember that Jesus brings to life fullness and completeness. He not only filled the punch bowl right to the rim, the text says, but the quality of his provision was superior. He not only filled the punch bowl, but the quality of the provision was superior. Far better than what had been provided previously. I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And the verse in the context of a beautiful story that calls Jesus the good story, the word good is the Greek word kalos, 
which carries the meaning of competent or excellent. He is the competent shepherd. He is the excellent shepherd. He is the superior shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd who does not lose his sheep and one who is able or competent to make full provision. That is why Jesus came into the world. You've heard of people, I'm sure, talk about the pessimist who says his glass is half full or the optimist who says, it's the other way around, the pessimist who says it's half empty and the optimist who says it's half full. Well, Jesus talks about neither of those. He talks about the full glass. But the full glass. Not the half empty. The full, the whole thing. The whole Megillah, as some might say. Jesus did not come to give us that half full glass. I have come. I have made you known. Statement number three says. John chapter 17 and verse 26. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that. That's a purpose clause. In order that or so that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The mission of Jesus is to make God the Father known. Jesus came to remove any mystery, any misunderstanding about the Father. And how did Jesus do that? Remember that Jesus also said in John chapter 14 and verse 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So he says to us, look at me and see the Father. See that the Father is kind and good and loving and redemptive. Look at me. To know that God is love is made clearer when we see Jesus loving people as when He confronted the accusers of the woman taken in adultery. To know that God forgives is made clear when we hear Jesus say on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But here's the amazing thing. And if you have your Bibles open there, just look at John chapter 17 and verse 26. Why does Jesus want us to know the Father? Why does He want us to know Him? Look at the text. It's in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The mission of Jesus is to make the Father known in order that you and I might undergo that kind of change where we will experience the same love, same love of God that Jesus experienced. He brings us fully into His family. When I was more fully in the counseling business, we would uh, talk about counseling blended families. That's where a man has been previously married, has children, the wife 
has been previously married. She has children. The two get together. It's a very difficult situation. Very few uh, counseling books uh, direct their attention to blended families. And one of the problems is that the, the mother may have a natural bent to love her natural children more than her husband's children and vice versa. And that's where the problem comes in. But when God brings us into his family, his family, we are accepted fully. Fully, completely uh, accepted by the Father. That the same love he has for Jesus, he has for you and for me. That blows my mind. That he would love me that way. Remember what he said from the cloud This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Well, he says somewhat the same thing to us. My beloved children. My beloved children. Wow. How much did the Father love the Son? This passage tells us that every Christian is loved by the Father in the same way. And I find this passage to be one of the most tremendous passages in the entire family. It's certainly worthy of being underlined. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to fill our lives to the full. He came that we might know the Father and to experience the same love that He loved His Son. Wow. The mission of Jesus, what is it? I want to personalize it. Jesus came to seek and to save me. He saved me from my lostness. You know, I can read the words in the pages of this book and fail to personalize them. And I'd like for you dear folks to personalize the message. Jesus came into the world to seek and to save who? You. Me. That's why he came. That's why he came. He came to save me from my terrible lostness. Jesus came to give me life. He came to give you life. And as I said, not just a person existing on a life support system, but He came to give us life to the full. And Jesus came to make the Father known to me in order that I might experience internally the same great love he had for Jesus. What can I say to this? What can I say to this? Let me give you some examples 
of how people responded to Jesus. When Jesus found Nathanael, Nathanael believed and then he followed Jesus. Got that? When Jesus found Nathanael, he followed, he believed, and then he followed. When Jesus found the woman at the well, she believed, and then she promptly told others about Jesus. One followed, another told others about Jesus. When Jesus found the lonely man who had been born blind, the blind man believed and he worshipped Jesus. One followed, another told others about Jesus, and still this third one worshipped Jesus. When Jesus found the little old tax collector Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus believed and he changed his manner of dealing with people. So one person became a follower, another person became a witness, another person became a worshiper of Jesus, and still the fourth person, his behavior changed dramatically. This was the mission of Jesus. In closing, just a couple of questions. Have you been found by Jesus? Have you? If so, how have you responded to Jesus? Are you following? Are you a witness? Are you a worshiper? Has your behavior changed? Jesus came to make a difference in our lives. And you can respond this morning to the voice of Jesus when he says, come. Come. That's that great word. I think it's one of the most wonderful words in the English language. And there are a few others. But come. Come. Don't wait. Come. Don't put it off. Come. Just come. Come and follow and witness and worship and have your character, your person changed fully by Jesus. Jesus says, come to me and I will not turn you away. I'll embrace you and love you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this one who came and uh, who came into a world that was so very, very needy. Came to a world that was lost. Came to the world that was running on empty. came to a world that didn't really know you. 
And Father, this morning we pray for one another. We pray perhaps for some here this morning who, uh, who, who, who know they're lost and um, for some reason uh, have not yet come to the one who calls. And we pray, Father, that they might have the courage this morning to come. Thank you for coming and filling our lives. Bless this congregation of your people, Father. May we come and get to know you better as we follow and witness day by day. Thank you for your presence here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.